Brothers and sisters in Christ, good morning to Jason, who comes down from about 60 miles away, and uh, glad to have you here with us today, and glad to have you with us wherever you are, whether you're here or there. And it's a beautiful day, and it's Mother's Day, and so we'll especially comment on that a little bit later. So, Father, we thank you for the beauty of holiness, the beauty of your presence with us, and the beauty of this day. We thank you that we're here together. You've brought us together. We thank you for this place that you gave us through the kindness of Steve and Rye Gausted. So we bless them today. And we thank you as we step into this time together. You say we're two or three, and uh, we satisfy that and many more. So we thank you that you are here right in the midst of us. We rejoice in your presence. Amen. 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 And just a couple of announcements this morning. So we moved the offering box back there. See that little shelf in the corner? Mm-hmm. That's our offering box there. That seemed like a cool place for it. So we're going to put it there. Um, for your tithes and offerings, you can always give online, of course, if you prefer that sort of thing. Um, Activity bags in the back for kids if they come and you see kids come in, Naomi, if you see kids come in, you can point them there to the activity bags. Thank you. And we will give you an update as soon as we have a date picked for when we're going to start going out and doing some outreach in the neighborhood and saying hi to the neighbors and letting them know we're here and that we love them and we'll be praying for them and that kind of good stuff. Uh, We'll get you a date as soon as we want, but we can be praying about it now, right? Let's soften up the ground with prayer for the neighborhood and for the neighbors uh, before we go talk to them. Actually, let's pause and pray. Let's not talk about praying. Why do that? Father God, we pray for our neighbors. We pray for the people in this neighborhood right here and the people who live in this area. Uh, We haven't met them yet, so we don't know a lot about them. And I'm sure a lot of them already have church homes. But for those who don't, uh, we pray that you would prepare a way for us. Um, And that when we bring your spirit to them and we get to know them and love them, that you would move in their hearts and draw them closer to you. And we thank you, Lord, that you partner with us in that incredible endeavor of discipleship. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, And then party at Paul and Karen's yard, since the house is closed, will be closed, but we're going to party in their yard outside on May 15th, 4 to 7 p.m. There's going to be food, so it's like a little cookout, I guess you could say. Becca, Alex is making food, so it's going to be yummy. Yeah. My wife wasn't going to come. Now she is. Um, Becca's making food. So it's going to be worth it. It'll be worth the trip. That's May 15th. That's Saturday and two weeks, right? One week. One week. So the, the last few weeks for our family has been a real blur. Um, so I, I don't even know what year it is. Um, so yes, next, this coming Saturday. Amazing. That'll be fun. Four to seven. Look forward to seeing you there for a final goodbye to... The ranch. If you walk in there, you would be shocked at what you don't see. At what you don't see. <laughs> you don't Anything. See. <laughs> yeah. It's empty. There's virtually nothing. A few dust bunnies well, probably still floating around. 
which will get taken care of. Um, we are looking for some volunteers to help with tech. You may have noticed CJ literally running back and forth uh, in here this morning. That's because he could use some help. So if you know anybody who is looking to help a church out or to serve, maybe they know something about tech, maybe they don't. Maybe they're just a human with a pulse. We could use that person <laughs> to help with tech. So let us know if you can think of anybody or just bring them and point them that way and say, hey, help us out. Surprise. S surprise. You're here to help. Why did you put the bag over my head, though? Well, I... Just for fun. Just for fun. I lost everybody. It's okay. It happens. Happy Mother's Day! Yeah! Now I got your back. Happy Mother's Day. So I know people trickle in, um, especially on Mother's Day, right? And so uh, we're not going to... We, we bought flowers. The church bought flowers for moms because... It's spring and moms are wonderful. So if you want to turn around and look back there on that table, there's a whole bunch of tiny pots. And those are the kind of flowers that you could keep in your kitchen or you can plant them in your yard or whatever you want. And so on the way out today, um, after we're done and you're on your way home, please grab, all the moms, please grab a pot of flowers to bring home and brighten up your life. And you could plant them somewhere and every time you see them, you can think about how blessed you are to be a mom. Was that too cheesy? I thought that was okay. I like that. I want you to think about how blessed you are to be a mom, because it's a wonderful thing. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. Paul, could you lead us in some prayers? We've got a lot of sick people to pray for, a couple recovering people. Sarah and Kaylee are recovering. Nice to see you. And you are on the way. You look like you're healthy, but you're, you're sort of healthy. So we remember Sarah, and you're back. We missed you last week, but your brother and sister, they stepped in for you. And uh, Steve is coming along. Not all there, but he's coming along and getting better. We want to remember uh, Carrie. Anyone else? Anyone sick? Anyone needing prayer for healing? Father, we thank you that you are a healing God. How wonderful that you revealed yourself to your people as a healer. For I am the Lord, your healer, you say. And so we can come to you with our personal needs and on behalf of others. And we, uh, we think of those who are uh, hurting today. Uh, we think of uh, Tim. We're gonna pray. I'm going to pray for Tim and his family, and then I'm going to ask Karen to, Karen to pray for Carrie. We uh, think of them, uh, the time that was set for the funeral is today at 11. And so that's why Tim and Ruth aren't here. So we bless Tim. We thank you that, that he does mourn. He had a wonderful mother. I asked him, how was your mother? She was strong. She was faithful. She was a good mother. And so we thank you for that wonderful blessing that he received and we bless him in his loss. And for Carrie, uh, Lord, she needs you. She needs healing, mm -hmm. Father. We don't understand everything, but we do know that we are to pray for people who are in need. Mm -hmm. This is a great need she has, Father. She needs your healing touch, mm -hmm. your miraculous healing touch. In Jesus' name, we ask you for your glory. Amen. Amen. Amen.
And Lord, we prepare our hearts for worship now. We all came in here with stuff today, things on our heart, things on our mind, some good, maybe some not as good, but help us to push, press pause on all those things now and just lay them down as we spend some time entering into your presence and praising you for who you are and how good you are. We thank you for that. We thank you that you are always good, no matter whether we see it or not, whether we understand what you're doing or not, you are good. And it's powerful to proclaim that, especially when it might be hard to see it. When things don't seem like they're going great in our life, it's easy to have trouble doubting that God is really good, but he is. And so it's important to do that even when we're not feeling it. So help us to do that this morning, Lord. Help us to lift you up, praise you. You are king of kings and lord of lords. You are king over this city, king over this place, and king over us as a people. Thank you, Lord. Let's worship the Lord. You can feel free to stand, dance around, whatever you want. Let the king of my heart be the mountain where I run. The fountain I drink from, oh, he is my song. Let the king of my heart be the shadow where I hide. The ransom for my life, oh, he is my song. Let's sing that again. Let the king of my heart be the mountain where I run. The fountain I drink from, oh, he is my song. Let the king of my heart be the shadow where I hide. The ransom for my life, oh, he is my song. You are good, good, oh, you are good, good, oh. You are good, good, oh, you are good, good, oh. Let the king of my heart be the wind inside my sails, the anchor in the waves, oh, he is my song. Let the king of my heart be the fire inside my veins, the echo of my days. Oh, here's my song. You are good, good. Oh, you are good, good. Oh, you are good, good. until you believe it. Lord, never gonna let, never gonna let me down. You're never gonna let, 
never gonna let me down. You're never gonna let, never gonna let me down. You're never gonna let, never gonna let me down. You are good, good. Oh, 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 you are good, good. We're doing some songs with some of the more feminine metaphors of scripture this morning. That's intentional. You unravel me with a melody. You surround me with a song of deliverance. From my enemies till all my fears are gone. I'm no longer a slave to fear. Oh, I am a child of God. child of God. From my mother's womb, you have chosen me. Love has called my name. And I am born again to your family. Your blood flows through my veins. on the cross, Lord Jesus.
so I could walk right through it. My fears are drowned in perfect love. You rescued me so I could stand and sing. I am a child of God. You split the sea. You split the sea so I could walk right through it. My fears are drowning perfect love. You rescued me so I could stand and sing. I am a child of God. So I'm no longer a slave to fear. child of God. No, I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. Let's split the sea again. You split the sea so I could walk right through it. My fears are drowned in perfect love. You rescued me so I could stand and sing. I am a child of God. One more time. You split the sea. You split the sea so I could walk right through it. My fears are drowned in perfect love. You rescued me so I could stand and sing. I am a child of God. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you that we are your children. That's, that's the main metaphor God uses for his relationship with us in the scripture is parent and child, father and child. And it's important that we drill down deep into that. Let's, let's just shout out some stuff. What are some ways in which you relate to being God's child? For me, sometimes when I pray, I picture myself crawling up into daddy's lap and sitting with him like a child. What, what are some ways that you relate to God like a child? palm of his hand. He provides for me. Provides for us, yeah. He's our protector and he can beat up all the other dads. <laughs> He's our protector can beat up all the other parents. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> In a nonviolent way. My father was gentle. And so I think of God in the same way, very gentle, never raised his voice, never yelled, very thankful. I like that I can look to God as a child in the sense that even when I don't know where we're going or what's happening, I can trust that God knows where we're going. Yes. How many times as a kid or maybe your own kids or grandkids, where are we going when you're in the backseat of the car, right? Where are we even? I don't even know what's happening. 
why did you put me in the car? What, what, what's going on? <laughs> and I feel like that in life once in a while. Anybody yes. else? Yes. And we can trust that God is driving. God knows where God is going. And there's a childlikeness that sometimes, as adults, we fear because it means lack of control and lack of right. knowledge about right. the future. But God wants us to have faith like a child. Yes. Amen. Amen. I feel like Mother's Day is, is a good time to think about that. <laughs> yes. Help us be more like a child, Lord. Help us look to you and trust you. Lord, we want to worship you no matter what is going on in our life, the good and the bad. For some, Mother's Day is a wonderful day. For others, Mother's Day is hard. I think of the Tim, Tim Duick and his family who lost their mother on Mother's Day week this week. So we continue to pray for Tim and the family. And she went, she hit the tape on the run. She was, she was happy to jump through the gates to heaven and we, we celebrate that and we praise the Lord for that some of us maybe are missing our own moms, our own grandmas some of us maybe had a difficult time with our moms or our grandmas now's a good time to practice forgiveness and letting that go I pray that you would help us to be thankful and grateful for the parents you put in our life, and also for you as the ultimate parent. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Lord. Your love is devoted Like a ring of solid gold Like a vow that is tested Like a covenant of old And your love is enduring Through the winter rain And beyond the horizon With mercy for today Faithful you have been Faithful you will be You pledge yourself to me And it's why I sing I want to pause it there So what are we singing about? We're singing about another familial metaphor in scripture And that is that Christ is the groom and we're the bride Right? And so the whole church is, is feminine The whole church is the mother in that metaphor, and we're gonna look at that in scripture later. But we are the bride of Christ. I know sometimes guys kind of prickle at that, but tough. <laughs> Sorry, I mean, I didn't write this book. God wrote the book. Um, so we're the bride of Christ. We're waiting for him. He's our bridegroom. And that's a relationship with God that he wants us to understand and he wants us to jump into. Um, God, Jesus, is the husband, we're the wife. Jesus is the father, we're the mother, and the people we bring in to disciple are like the kids. Okay, that's, that's the metaphor that, that the Bible paints. And so I want us to think of that in this sense that sing this like we're the bride. And God is, Jesus is the one who is devoted to us. Amen? All right, let's, let's start again with the first verse. 
Your love is devoted like a ring of solid gold, like a vow that is tested, like a covenant of old. And your love is enduring through the winter rain and beyond the horizon with mercy for today faithful you have been and faithful you will be pledge yourself to me and it's why i sing your praise will ever be on my lips ever be on my lips your praise will ever be on my lips ever be on my lips your praise will ever be on my lips ever be on my lips your praise will ever be on my lips ever be on my lips you father the orphan your kindness makes us whole you shoulder our weakness and your strength becomes our own you're making me like you clothing me in white bringing beauty from ashes for you will have your bride free of all her guilt and rid of all her shame and known by her true name it's why I sing your praise will ever be on my lips, ever be on my lips, your praise will ever be on my lips, ever be on my lips, your praise will ever be on my lips, ever be on my lips, your praise will ever be on my lips, ever be on my lips, you will be praised. and saints we sing worthy are you lord you will be praised you will be praised with angels and saints we sing worthy are you lord and it's why i sing your praise will ever be on my lips ever be on my lips your praise will Ever be on my lips, ever be on my lips, your praise will ever be on my lips, ever be on my lips, your praise will ever be on my lips, ever be on my lips, you will be praised, you will be praised, with angels and saints we sing worthy, are you Lord? why I sing your praise will ever be on my lips ever be on my lips your praise will ever be on my lips ever be on my lips your praise will ever be on my lips ever be on my lips your praise will ever be on my lips ever be on my lips your praise will Ever be on my lips, ever be 
lips, your praise will ever be on my lips. Ever be on my lips, your praise will ever be on my lips. Ever be on my lips, your praise will ever be on my lips. Ever be on my lips, your praise will ever be on my lips. Ever be on my lips, your praise will ever be on my lips. Ever be on my lips. Does anyone have a word from the Lord they feel they should share? Karen. I've been thinking about this this week, and uh, especially yesterday and today. But, um, and as we were seeing this, I was struck again with how you, Lord, ask us to praise your name. And this is your word. And we know as your kids, that's what we are to do. It's not always natural. But I want to give also thanks to my own mother today who encouraged us through it all, to always praise the Lord. And as our family sang together, we had a poster that said, sing for joy. We didn't always have the joy naturally in us, but once we started singing, just, just like these days, uh, there's been a little bit of a whirlwind going on in our lives. And, and in fact, our uh, water ran out. Uh, ran out. I mean, uh, uh, it it just it broke. <laughs> the the plumbing. And I said, "Oh Lord, okay, let me think here now." Oh, I'll just remember when when our family would go up to the mountains. In Japan, in our summer cabin, we had no running water. But we were thankful that we had water to carry, and we could use that. And Lord, you give us pictures. I just wanted to give praise and thanks to the Lord. My mother also, yes. And Father, that you chose us. You know what's going on. We belong to you. And because of that, we can sing for joy. We can praise you. Uh, the other picture of uh, the scripture that says when Jesus wanted to gather as a mother hen would gather her chicks and uh, we would not, you know, our, our heart sometimes sometimes will reject that love and from John, scripture today said um, where Jesus is saying the father loves me and I love you, now, re now um, remain in my love. So today, Lord, we want to say thank you that you chose us as mothers, fathers, men, women, uh, and you give us the picture of even under the shadow of your wings. We are protected. You give us mothers who, who gathered us, who nurtured us, and you, Father, are the greatest nurturer that we can learn from. And so we praise your name today. Thank you, Lord. Anyone else? 
thanks to the worship team. Thanks, girls. You can go sit by your mother <laughs> since it's her day and all the other mothers do. Wave at somebody that you haven't seen in a while or don't know. Wave, say hi. All right, if you want to grab a Bible, we're going to look at some scriptures today. The first one being the one that Karen just quoted, actually. It's as if the same Holy Spirit is working in all of us. When I say it's as if, I mean, obviously, that's what's happening. Okay, just to be clear. Uh, and that is um, Luke 13. Luke 13, 34. So, happy Mother's Day again to everybody. And we mostly want to honor the mothers, although all of us have a mother. And so it's everybody's day in a sense, yes, right? Yes. And so if your mother isn't local, I encourage you to at least give her a call. Maybe give your grandma a call if she's still on this earthly plane. If you can go visit, please do and honor them, even if it's a difficult thing for you to do, <laughs> even if your mother relationship with your mother maybe isn't the best. Maybe God can use you reaching out in love as a way to soften hearts. He does that sort of thing a lot, doesn't he? Sure. So I encourage you to honor your mom this weekend. And we're going to look at some of these uh, scriptures that talk about these motherly metaphors. Karen brought one up, and we're going to look at that in a second. Now, a lot of the metaphors we're familiar with from Scripture are more masculine metaphors, right? Jesus' primary metaphor for God the Father is, well, Father, right? Yeah. And that's because he wants us to think of God as a Father mm -hmm. and all the things that that means, which I won't expand on until Father's Day. We'll save that. Okay. Um, and Jesus himself, of course, was a human man, right? And so sometimes it's harder to think of the feminine aspects in relation to God, but we know that God created Adam and Eve in his image, it says in Genesis 3, male and female, he created them. So the image of God contains the things that we stereotypically think of masculine and feminine in terms of traits, right? And don't worry, we're not going to get weird this morning. I haven't gone woke while you were napping. Um, but the reality is there are a lot of metaphors that historically a, a lot of people haven't really taken a big look at, I think, because they're more feminine and maybe guys are weirded out by it or have a hard time understanding it. Um, but they're there, and the more we understand them, the better. The more we understand that we're the bride of Christ, the more we can act appropriately in our relation to God and others. And so we're going to look at some of those this morning. And I don't know about you, but because God the Father, the primary metaphor, is Father, and because I know Jesus was a guy, I have always tended to attribute a lot of the more feminine or motherly attributes to the Holy Spirit. I don't know if you've done the same. I've kind of always done that, you know. And if you look at the Holy Spirit's description, a lot of the more feminine and motherly qualities 
And by that I mean like stereotypically, right? For example, comforter. Right. Holy Spirit is our comforter. Now, it's not that fathers can't comfort children. I comfort my children all the time, right? But we often think of that as being more of a motherly thing, to comfort. And the Holy Spirit is, is counselor. The Holy Spirit's very into communication. Jesus said, he's going to teach you everything. He's going to remind you of everything I said. And I don't know about you, but I think most of the women I met are better than me at communication. And also more interested in it, oftentimes. Again, we're just talking about kind of stereotypes of what right. we think about um, in terms of masculine and feminine. And I... I have always kind of seen a lot of those in the Holy Spirit. But here in this uh, verse we're going to read, Luke 13, 34, Jesus attributes that to himself. And he doesn't seem to have a problem with doing that. Luke 13, 34, I really, really like this. He is lamenting over Jerusalem in this verse. It's the passage Karen alluded to. Uh, Luke 13, 34. Oh, Jerusalem. Jerusalem, that city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, but you were not willing. So he says, how often would I have? Meaning, I wanted to do this so many times, tried to do this so many times. Like a mother gathers her children to protect them. Or like a hen, you know, gathers them under her wing. Her brood, I like the word brood. So like a mother wants to gather and protect and love and care for her children, Jesus is saying, I wanted to do that to you, Jerusalem, but you were unwilling. Uh, those of you who have been around kids or maybe had kids, maybe you've experienced this. I've experienced this a lot. And that is when you, sometimes when you're trying to comfort a child, they go, Arr! Right? And sometimes when what they need is to be with you, to be protected, comforted, whatever it is, they run. Yes. They refuse that help, that control, that humility, whatever it takes to receive as a child. Sometimes kids reject that. And I think Jesus is saying, that's what you guys were doing. You rejected me. You rejected what I wanted to do for you. That motherly sort of affection, protection. God wanted Israel to be his people. And the, the uh, husband-wife metaphor is there in the Old Testament as well. It's not as strong as it is in the New Testament, but it's there. We see it in Song of Solomon. We see it in some of the Psalms. We see it in a couple places. And yet, they refused. They rejected that motherly sort of affection. And I, I, just, I really like that metaphor, that idea of God wanting. He is always wanting. He's always inviting. He's always going like this to bring people in. But people so often push away. And notice how often. So it's not true. And sometimes people who've fallen away or non-Christians think, oh, I missed my chance. God gave up on me. You know? But this says, how often did I want to do that? So he tries to go like this. And people say no. And God tries again. And the people say no. And Jesus is, interestingly, Jesus is personalizing it here. Now, He's probably speaking for the entire Trinity. I don't think he's saying, just I wanted to do this. The Father and Spirit wanted nothing to do with you. I don't think that's what he's saying. But he's saying, I wanted to do this. How often did I want to do this and you rejected me? So God is always coming after us over and over and over again. Uh, like a good mother is never going to stop coming after her kids. I don't know too many mothers who've totally given up on their kids. It happens, and it's very sad. But God isn't going to do that. Amen? Amen. 
no matter where her kids go, no matter how much they push away, no matter what they do, it's not going to be like, okay, fine, you don't want me, I'm gone. No, God's never going to do that with us. And Jesus here is lamenting. Can you feel his emotion here when you read this verse or when you hear this verse? He, he's, I believe he's, he's weeping here. I think he's weeping. I think he's wailing. And it's sort of a prophecy, and it's sort of just a testimony of Jesus saying, this, this is what I've been trying to do for you for so long, and you keep saying no. And he knows that that's going to happen again in the not-too-distant future. Jerusalem's going to reject him ultimately. And just like he says, you that killed the prophets and stoned those who were sent to it, uh, they're going to do that to Jesus soon too. And yet he still has that love for them, that parental love, which I, I just love this. And let's look at another one. Uh, flip to John 3. This is the biggest one. Like I said, there are several of these motherly metaphors that I wanted to highlight this morning to honor all the moms. And this is, I think, the biggest one, or at least, in my opinion, the most important. Before we get there, I want to bring up another one that we already talked about, and that is the bride of Christ. Okay, And this, we see this in a number of places, but uh, scripture sort of pits us as the bride waiting for the bridegroom. Right? Jesus is the bridegroom. He's the groom. He's the husband. We're the bride. And again, for us guys, that can sometimes be difficult to think about right? or relate to. But that's how scripture describes us. And the, the relationship there is familial. It's, it's husband-wife. And so when Paul says, you know, Christ is like the head and the church is the body, that's husband and wife language. Those are the words he's using there, husband and wife. And in that culture, that implies father-mother. It's sort of implied, it's assumed. And so we're the female in that metaphor, right? We're the bride, we're the wife, we're the mom. Isn't that interesting? So the church is the mom, and who are the kids? Everybody that we're meant to disciple. It's the Great Commission, right? Yeah. Jesus said, go out into all the world and baptize people, bring them into the family. Go have kids. Reproduce, reproduce by the Spirit. And so that's our job. And again, that's a motherly metaphor. That's a pretty big one, right? I mean, the Great Commission, going out to disciple people, that's pretty much the point of the church existing, is to be the body of Christ, is to be the mom, you might say, uh, in that sense, and to reproduce, to bring people in, to disciple people into the kingdom. And... So that's another motherly metaphor. The one here that Jesus talks about is a little different than the other two. So John 3.1, this is about Nicodemus. I know Paul loves Nicodemus. I do as well. Nick's a cool guy. This, I'd love to get a lot more about Nicodemus in the scripture. We only get a little bit, but he seems super cool. Um, so this is him. I love this because he comes in humility to Jesus asking for understanding. And we don't know of anyone else in the Sanhedrin, the ruling body, that did that. Everybody else came to trick him, to try to trip him up, to try to get him to say something so they could stone him or kick him out or discredit him. But he comes genuinely seeking truth, knowing that Jesus is a prophet, at least. 
And so this is what he says. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. So he's a part of the Sanhedrin, the ruling elders of the people, right? The ones who voted to stone Jesus, which Nicodemus abstained from that vote. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. It's interesting that he says, we know, so he's not the only one. There's a few of them talking around and be like, look, he's got to be from God. I know that guy. He was missing two legs. He has legs now. That doesn't sound like something the devil could or ever would do. Yeah, but he says this. Yeah, but that guy was blind and now he can see. What do you do with that? What about all these lepers that have come back? Without leprosy, can you do that? I, this has to be God. And so they recognized that God was working, that Jesus, they call him rabbi here, um, which means teacher um, in the Pharisee tradition. And so they recognized that God was moving through Jesus. And it wasn't just Nicodemus, it was we. So I don't know if Nicodemus was the one who had the courage to go talk to Jesus, or if he drew a short straw and went to talk to Jesus, or if they're, they're all just like, we trust, you're, you're, you're our guy. We vote you go <laughs> talk to Jesus, okay? Because if a whole bunch of us go and talk to him, that's going to be suspicious. You know, he's trying to keep it on the down low, I think. So he says, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. No one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered, and here's the great thing. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And this is the primary metaphor for salvation in Scripture, that of birth. And what do you need to be a mother? Yeah. <laughs> Give birth, right? That's, yeah. that's what the word mother means. And Jesus is saying, this is what you have to do. This is the primary metaphor for salvation. Nicodemus, what must I do? He doesn't say what must I do, but it's implied, I think. And, he's, and so Nicodemus is confused by this answer born again, that, I, that makes no sense to me. What are you talking about? And he says exactly that, which I love. I love that he says what he's thinking. He's not overly religious. Nicodemus doesn't say, yeah, cool. Born a, another time. Great. Thanks, Jesus. See ya. I don't understand that at all. You know, sometimes we do that, right? When we, we, we want to seem smart or we want to seem holy or religious. And he just says his mind. He says, I, I literally have no idea what you're saying to me right now. He said, how can a man be born when he's old? Don't you know how this works? Jesus. Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? That is not going to work. So he's, he's confused and he says it. And I love that. There's humility here. There's humility here. He genuinely wants to understand what Jesus is saying. And so Jesus, in typical Jesus fashion, just says the same thing again, with a little bit more uh, in this case. Truly, truly, I say to you, which is Jesus' way of saying, no, seriously, here's the deal. Unless someone is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. So natural birth, you're all born of a earthly mother. All of us are. Unless there's any you know, clones. Anybody here? No? Okay. 
No clones. So we've all been born of a mother. Jesus is saying that which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. So it's a different type of birth. It's a spiritual birth. And God is the mother, right? Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. And I imagine Nicodemus walked away going, I, I, I heard what you said, but I still don't fully get the metaphor because as difficult it is, as it might be for some guys to think of female or motherly metaphors for God in scripture today, back then, that was not a thing. Like it just wasn't a thing. It wasn't something people did. It would have, it, many would have considered it blasphemy to say, no, 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 just like you were born from your mom, now you have to be born from God. God is your new mother and father and brother, right? But God is your new mother and you must be born again spiritually. And a lot of people, a lot of Nicodemus's colleagues, I think would have been really challenged by this. So I think Jesus is not just giving him the truth. I think he's really challenging Nicodemus here. He is coming right at his worldview. He's coming right at the way he thinks and the way he leads. Um, and Jesus often does this, doesn't he? He often challenges folks. The rich young ruler, hey, I've kept all the commandments. I've kept all the laws. What do I have to do now? Sell everything you have and give it to the poor. Ugh. Challenging, right? Man. And Jesus challenges Nicodemus here, not with a task, but with a mental task, a mental I don't know what you want to say. Obstacle. Stumbling block. Jesus says that often. I'm a stumbling block to people. And he does this on purpose. He's trying to challenge Nicodemus to understand God in a new way and also to understand the difference between flesh and spirit. And this is something that, the, that we see when we read about the Pharisees. I think it's in the background, but we see that they still don't get this idea that there's, there's a difference between flesh and spirit. Despite the fact that God talked about it through Moses, right, in Deuteronomy, before any of the Bible was written, God was talking about how I'm showing you things in the natural to teach you something in the spiritual. And despite the fact that God's doing that all the time, people don't really get it. And I'm not saying we get it so much better today. Maybe we don't. But here he's trying to get him to think that way again. Just like you were born of your mother naturally, so now you are born again of God spiritually. And notice here, uh, this is one of the uh, I don't want to start a holy war. Um, pe people debate, it, is it free will or is it predestination that gets us into the kingdom of God, right? The answer is both. I believe the answer is both. And because you see both in scripture, but this is definitely one of the predestination ones. A child does not choose to be born. I've never known of a child who chose to be born. Have you? No. The child had no say in the matter whatsoever. And in the same way, we come into the kingdom of God through God, period. Nothing that we have done, not by any deed so that anyone can boast about it. We come through him. Now, we also have to choose to bow the knee to accept Jesus, okay? So it's a both and, in my opinion. Um, I like, um, I think it was Larry Christensen, who I first heard this metaphor from, that said, when we walk towards Jesus, we walk towards a gate that says, free will or choice, and we choose to walk through that gate. But then when we turn around, we see that on the backside of that gate, it was written grace all along. <laughs> Chosen. Chosen, exactly. Um, and I think God is okay with juxtaposition. <laughs> I think he's okay with holding two truths that seem opposite but aren't 
He, he does that a lot in scripture. We see that quite a bit. That's one of the reasons I've always been gravitated towards Lutheran theology because Lutherans, in contrast to many others, are okay with that. Communion, it's the body and blood of our Lord. It's also just bread and wine, both. How can it be both? I don't know. God. Predestination or free will? Yes. Correct. God chose you. From before the foundation of the world, God chose you. Also, bow the knee. Both, right? So God is cool with that. Um, hopefully we're cool with that too. <laughs> um, but, but this metaphor is on the grace end. Children don't choose to be born, right? And yet, I think what he's saying to Nicodemus is, you need to make a decision to let God do this. Don't you think, think so? Otherwise, why say it? Otherwise, he'd say, this is what has to happen, and maybe it'll happen to you, maybe not. We'll see. Right? I think he's telling him this for a purpose. I think he's telling him this so that he goes back and thinks about this and then says a prayer or something like, okay, God, yes. Yeah. That's it. To me, that's, that's all that's needed. It's a, a submission to the Holy Spirit who's already working in us. Holy Spirit's clearly working in Nicodemus already to drive him to Jesus like this, even late at night. Even though if others had seen him, man, would he have been in serious trouble, okay? But the Spirit drove him to Jesus, and, I, and he received it. We know he received this because at the end of the story, Nicodemus is the one who suffers potential, who risks at least arrest and persecution himself by, along with Joseph of Arimathea, claiming the body of Jesus and burying him. And so Nick got it. He got it. I don't know how long it took him to get it, but he did get it. And, but I think this was a tough metaphor for him. The, the whole mother metaphor, the born-again metaphor, I think was maybe a little, a little bit difficult for him. But in this, God is the mom, and he's giving birth to us spiritually. Unless one is born of water and the spirit. Now, we all know that during birth, there's water and blood and pain and sacrifice and risk, right? Anyone ever been around a birth? We have an OBGYN. I think she could probably say this always happens. Um, and isn't that what Jesus did for us on the cross? We literally see water, blood, pain, sacrifice, risk. I personally don't know a mom who wouldn't sacrifice her life for her kids. Jesus literally sacrificed his life for us. So to, to me, the cross is like a birthing room, almost. He's literally giving birth to the church. The new covenant starts on the cross, right there. That's where the new covenant starts. Or in this metaphor, that's where the birth takes place. And Jesus didn't survive it, as was often the case back then. And yet he sacrificed that anyway. Moms, they give up their body. They give up their time. They give up their life. For which we honor all of you this morning. And you're in good company. Because Jesus did that exact thing for the exact same reason, to bring new life into the world, to bring new life to me and to you and to you, to everyone. He suffered on that cross to bring new life. I have come to think of the passion of Jesus in those last, that last day, day and a half, as labor, you know? And uh, I don't know. 
I, I think it's a cool metaphor. I, I like the born again metaphor. I think that's why it's stuck around, you know? These days, born again is how at least a lot of evangelical Christians describe what it is to be a follower of Jesus, period. You're born again. Are you born again or not, right? I don't know that a lot of them think of that as being a motherly metaphor for God, uh, but it is. And I think it's really cool. So uh, what I'd like to do now, actually, is break up into smaller groups and just talk about this. Um, what do you, have you thought about these kind of motherly metaphors for God before? What do you think about that? Is that difficult? Is that, does that help you relate to God better? Maybe as a mom, it might help you relate to God a little better. Um, I don't know. So why don't we break up? Let's just talk about that. Um, talk about what you think. And... We may come back together or we may not. I'm not sure. Let's, let's see what happens. Let's, let's, let's see what the Lord does. Um, and then, yeah, let's start off with that. Let's just talk about this. What, what do you think about this born again metaphor? Um, what do you think about the hen gathering her chicks? Discuss. Ready to go. You can move. You can stay and turn however you, however you want to do it.